Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Hey, greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where Dives and Al ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. This is for week of uh, August 28, 2022, and uh, oddly enough, episode 2022. <laughs> 2022, no, uh, just episode 22. We haven't been around that long. Um, again, very exciting show this week. Uh, church assistant historian Kate Holbrook passed away, um, so... We're sorry to hear about that, um, but we do have uh, some really big news coming up. We've got controversial church donations in Africa. Mormon missionaries have gone viral for all the wrong reasons. We'll tell you about that. Change.org petition is seeking to make background checks mandatory for LDS leaders. And BYU has banned a racist volleyball fan and the inspired launch of the Mormon movie reviews. And this is a really exciting episode. It's the first time that me and my co-host Dives are uh, broadcasting in person. Wow, it's great to be here. I'm, I'm up here in northern Utah with you, Al, and mm -hmm. I'm sitting in here in your kitchen. We're mm -hmm. ready to go, right? That's right. This is where the magic happens every week. Well, as <laughs> I, you know, this I, when I look at your house, I think of what Jesus said, uh, in my Father's house are many mansions. So you've really got, you got a, quite a place here, and I'm really mm -hmm. grateful that you invited me to um, to join you in your home. So uh, it's quite a dry, uh, I'm out here in Utah for a couple of days on business, so I figured this would be a time for us to get together. Mm -hmm. Yep, it worked out really good, so we're glad to have you here. Um, this mansion is about 800 square feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't say how big the mansions were. You know, he didn't say. He just said that there were many of them. He didn't necessarily say how big. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's really great to be here. Thanks so much mm -hmm. for inviting me. Um, uh, and uh, I got a chance to meet your wife and mm -hmm. to uh, pet your uh, pet rabbit. And um, mm -hmm. I haven't seen your cats and the rest of your uh, your uh, your farm animals here, but they they all get sent outside to uh, to do their own thing while uh, we ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. You betcha. Yeah. Now, um, so it's a, a special episode for all of us here. So uh, I do have the uh, we're going to kick things off with uh, the Mormon joke of the week. And Al, this is kind of a long joke, so uh, bear with me. Are you ready for it? All right, let's now, do it. I had to practice this a few times because it is kind of long, and I do need to refer to my notes. So um, uh, this is going to be um, kind of a long joke. So okay. let me let me kick it off here. A Mormon walks into a bar. Just kidding. That's it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Quite the lead up. Okay, that's that's it. That's it. Jokes on me. Yeah, that, that was it. That's all you. That's all you get. Now, um, we have a website out there. It's called uh, mormonnewsroundup.org, and uh, all, you can send mm -hmm. us an email as well. We're at uh, colob at mormonnewsroundup.org. That's K O L O B at mormonnewsroundup.org. That's with two N's. Um, and feel free to reach out to us if you want to get in touch with your humble hosts here. Now, let's uh, a couple of follow ups from last week. Um, is that AB sex abuse scandal still out there, Al, or is it's, it been, what's going on there? It's still out there. Let's say it's kind of moved to second page instead of first page. Yeah, yeah I, you know, like I said, I have a subscription to a Google alert for Mormon and LDS that sends me everything every day. And for about two and a half weeks to three weeks, mm -hmm. every single one of the stories was AP sex abuse, yeah. AP sex abuse all mm -hmm. over. And you're finally starting to see that peter out a little bit. And it's taken a full month mm -hmm. for it to simmer down. I mean, it's still there a little bit, but it is not in your face. Yeah. So, uh, but we do want to uh, follow up on it just a little bit, even though it is uh, moving into the background. And that's, we had a change.org petition that was just dropped this last week. And uh, what is this change.org petition trying to do, Al? 
So the change.org petition uh, has been started up to uh, mandate background checks for all volunteers in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they don't do that now currently? Not currently, unless they're already in a state where it's mandated, like California. Right. And this is from Jane Christie and 21st Century Saints podcast. And that's a very faithful uh, podcast. This isn't Mm -hmm. from some anti-Mormons or somebody with an axe to grind. The 21st Century Saints podcast is one of the most uh, faithful and popular podcasts out there. Mm -hmm. And one of their hosts, I believe, uh, Jane Christie, started this petition in response to the Associated Press article, even though technically... Mm -hmm. The uh, Associated Press article, a background check, actually technically wouldn't have helped in that particular case, would it? No, it wouldn't. Uh, but this is a, this really is the right thing to do, and I think that's why the faithful are uh, heading it up and trying to get this uh, implemented. Yeah, so they want to do two things. Number one, ensure that all members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who will or who may work with children um, and vulnerable adults, vulnerable adults will be subject to criminal background checks. And number two, we ask that our supporters raise the issue of safeguarding within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with both church leadership and elected representatives so that faith groups can continue to work towards best, best practice. So uh, I think that uh, I definitely am in favor of this change.org petition. What do you think, Al? I agree. I think that, like I said, this is the right thing to do. And I, everything that they're asking for is completely reasonable, and it would uh, certainly put some uh, safety measures in place to prevent further abuse within the church. I don't see any downsides to this whatsoever. No, I'm going to sign it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will link to all these uh, articles in our show notes. Now, the number two follow-up from last week. We discussed last week, we had on, uh, we had on uh, Dr. John Turner from George Mason University, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. Now, we talked about last week uh, about uh, that... Uh, that article that said that BYU, uh, excuse me, that LDS bishops actually don't have or should not have priest penitent privileges, which is a very controversial opinion, one that uh, Dr. Turner was not necessarily in favor of. Am I getting that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, and I discussed my own uh, my own experience working at BYU for quite a few years, and that I felt that as a BYU employee that when I would go into, uh, as a former BYU employee now, when I used to go into my bishop for an ecclesiastical endorsement, that I didn't feel that I had any priest confidentiality whatsoever at the time. Mm-hmm. And this new article that has dropped this morning, Al, what is this new article saying? BYU requires new hires to waive their right to clergy confidentiality. So that you you called it. Um, they're li- are they <laughs> listening to this podcast, Al? Maybe. Some, oh, I'm sure that somebody is. <laughs> We have at least 50 people out there listening to us. I so. think, um, yeah, on our subscribers, uh, I think we have about 61 subscribers on Anchor. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked the, uh, haven't checked on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and on YouTube, uh, I think we're hovering around 10. So it's, it's not a lot of people, but still. Uh, yeah, new hires need to waive their right to clergy confidentiality. Mm-hmm. So is this a positive thing or is this a negative thing? Uh, you know, th- there's the two sides to this. Um, on the positive side, at least the church is being transparent about it. Uh, on the negative side, um, because it's a, a church school, they're uh, taking a step back away from that clergy contra- uh, or confidentiality privilege that other members are entitled to. So it, uh, it can be argued that it's not really fair, but it can also be said that, well, at least they're being upfront about it. I mean, the church is also upfront about, I've seen a couple of uh, posts um, in the last month or so saying, showing that the church requires um, people to have a, like a temple, a current temple recommend in order to get a job. 
well, they're being upfront about that. If you're going to be like a temple uh, custodian or uh, janitor going in and cleaning the temple, they're going to want you to have a current temple recommend. Uh, and I, I think that's completely reasonable. And they're being up front with you. It's no different than, uh, you know, so, some places saying, well, we require to, you to have a bachelor's degree. We require you to have this uh, certification in order to, like, operate a forklift or whatever. Um, I, I consider it, it's one of those things where the church can lay out its requirements. Whether I agree with those requirements or whether those requirements have anything to do with a person's ability to do the job, doesn't matter. They're being uh, straightforward about it. They're also a religion. Um, you know, uh, in addition to being a, corp- a corporation, they are a religion, so they can they can make those uh, calls themselves. You know, I'll, uh, I know you used to go to BYU, uh, mm-hmm. but were you ever a BYU employee of any uh, capacity? Yeah. yeah, as a matter of fact, I uh, worked in their moving department. <laughs> right, so you, this mm-hmm. technically did apply to you at some point yep. in time. Had to have a ecclesiastical endorsement to work there. Right, I think you summarized it extremely well. So mm-hmm. those are our follow-ups uh, from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's go into our first uh, article of this week. And unfortunately, our, our hearts go out to uh, Kate uh, Holbrook's family mm-hmm. because she uh, was a very popular uh, uh, assistant church historian, uh, full-time uh, employee of the church, and she uh, passed away this last week, I believe at the age of 50 years old. And she was extremely popular, especially uh, she, she made the podcast circuits. She went on a lot of mm-hmm. different shows. And she was extremely visible, and she definitely did not light uh, her candle and put it uh, under a bushel. She um, was a real inspiration to especially a lot of women in the church, and she uh, was also not afraid to tackle the most difficult and challenging aspects of church history, especially um, when talking about polygamy in particular. That seemed to be a specific area of emphasis that she was able to discuss. And um, I think that her approach tried to make, you know, polygamy, um, she was a defender of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, obviously she up, as a church employee, she upheld the church's position, but mm-hmm. she was certainly beloved by uh, a great number of people. Now, from this particular article, uh, I want to find a quote here. Uh, Kate, uh, here's the article from the quote, a quote from the article. Kate explained her passion for church history in this way, quote, I find church history inspiring because I see the love of God in it over and over. And I also see people who have the love of God in them and people who are resourceful. Church history puts real stories in my heart, end quote. And I just think that's a lovely sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, she passed away from a rare form of eye cancer. And uh, she didn't really tell anybody about it. She, yeah. she basically, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know how to say it, kind of suffered in silence. Yeah, some, some people are rather private about the, uh, especially health issues such as that. So I, I can understand where she's coming from uh, with not being very open about it. Um, still, it... it it, when you're not very open about it, it does come as a little bit of a shock to people. Yeah, it does. So um, I, I, I appreciated uh, listening to her. Um, I, I didn't necessarily read what, a lot of what she wrote, but since she was on the podcasting mm-hmm. circuit a lot, I got um, I, I appreciated the fact that she was willing to tackle the tough issues. Yeah. And there's been a lot of people in the church who haven't been willing to do that. Mm-hmm. So um uh, I have a lot of respect for her and for what she was trying to accomplish. And I think that her, what she said specifically about church history, that it, you know, brings joy to her heart and um, it's part of our, our living history that um, that really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Now, our next article here is from uh, 
uh, Richard Osling, and this was on religionunplugged.com, and this was published on August 22nd, uh, 2022. And it's Latter-day Saints' incremental changes on doctrine adds up to a solid religion story. So what is this uh, article trying to do, uh, uh, Al? Um, so this one kind of grabbed me as a, a very interesting, I mean, for, for being an opinion article, um, I thought it was, you make some really good points here about uh, just what uh, the steps the church has been taking in the last, I'll say, decade or so in order to make uh, changes and to rebrand itself and to uh, go into a new era. Yeah, and we talked about last week with Dr. Turner, we had a poll on um, that's available on Anchor that talked about the church's biggest news stories of the last five years. Mm-hmm. And this article also kind of goes at that. They gave a summary yeah. of the top 10 items in this in this change-resistant faith interpreted in terms of Jenna Reese's policy preferences. So number one, she talked about the 2019 reversal of a 2015 policy that ended automatic excommunication of same-sex couples and allows baptisms and blessings for their children. Yeah. How that had been re- reversed in uh, back in late 2018, early 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously, uh, I think I can speak for you when I say that is a positive step. Yeah, it's certainly a positive step. This is, uh, especially when you're talking about a church that's in favor of families and it's all about families, this was something that was done to uh, mend the fences with different types of families than the church usually likes to see. Yep, and then uh, number two, it said in 2019, there was uh, some progress on women. Actually, Mm -hmm. the quote is, a little progress on women, end quote. They Mm -hmm. changed some of the uh, temple endowment rituals that uh, some people perceived to be sexist. They also Mm -hmm. allowed women to be official witnesses to ordinances and um, did a couple of other things that, uh, you know, gave women a little bit more uh, control or a little bit more say in the church. Yeah, they've been um, making progress slowly over the the uh, decades allowing women to offer prayers in certain meetings or in certain right. capacities and so yeah. this is just another step in the right direction mm-hmm. um baby steps baby uh, steps. very very <laughs> slow steps so that's yeah. why the, the article says is a quote a little progress end quote and also yeah. we covered this about three weeks ago the church uh, mm-hmm. ordained or set apart the first female chaplain as well that's right mm-hmm. so yeah they're, they're making progress and these are all positive steps here and then, then the next one uh, which is number four what is that number no number three it says uh, white americans continue to dominate global leadership in the church however the two newly named apostles that have been put in since president nelson mm-hmm. took over they're not from north america or europe yeah i think the church has heard the message that um we for being a worldwide religion they need to be a little bit more diverse in their Selections of leadership. Yeah, they're making progress. And they also, uh, the next one that they highlight is that young adult missionaries can contact families weekly rather than twice a year. And their access to mental health services has improved. About time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Shouldn't have changed long ago. Yeah. I mean, when, when kids are paying their own way or their families paying their way, I think that it, it just uh, behooves the church to kind of loosen the, the grip uh, or the control, I, I, I should say, and, you know, let them be people. I mean, they're volunteers and yeah, they're, they're helping, they're missionaries, they're, they're doing their thing, but you know, it doesn't have to be such a tight fisted thing of, Oh no, you can't ever contact anybody that's, uh, from back home. Right. Yeah. So this is an, yeah, another positive step forward. Yeah. The next one is with the demise of the Boy Scouts, the churches has overhauled the youth program and now has equal spending on boys and girls programs. Do you view this as a positive step out or? Um, somewhat, I would say uh, the positive step there being that the uh, equal spending with the girls programs, because that's something that's been uh, taken a backseat to the boy programs for a long time. 
Um, as far as the church severing its um, ties with the Boy Scouts and then replacing it with their own youth program, um, I don't know that that's necessarily a big positive. I think they do a lot of the same things that they were doing before, but also um, with a lot of the things that they were doing before, you might see the same kind of abuse that we were seeing before too. So I'd like to see some, some of those measures put in place to curb that. You know, my oldest son is an Eagle Scout and he finishes Eagle before the church um, severed its ties with the Boy Scouts. But my younger two sons, they're already halfway through the Boy Scouts when this uh, when the church severed its ties. So we needed to take them over to a different uh, congregation or a different troop so that they could finish out. You know, getting a certificate that says that you completed a young men's program in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints does not have anywhere near mm-hmm. the... Um, the, uh, the the gravitas of yeah. saying that I'm an Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that way, I see it as a as a uh, step back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's well, we're going to have to see how the young men's program um, operates. I think a little bit more before we can. Um, yeah. Totally reserve. You know, uh, before we can totally pass judgment. Mm-hmm. The next one on this uh, list is the church institutes lockdowns of temples uh, and wards to protect people from COVID nineteen. Yeah. They. Uh, they. Were made to. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, I mean, they, they didn't do it voluntarily. No, I, mean, I, don't, I don't see how you can get any credit for doing something that the government said that. Uh, well, you know, if you, the government said you need to lock all this stuff down and turn it off, mm-hmm. uh, and the church says, "Well, we did that." But if you look in the past, you think about polygamy. That the government told the church to uh, get rid of polygamy, and uh, they didn't comply, or they only did mm-hmm. so at the uh, at the very most. So I guess it is a positive step. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's too big of a positive step. Yeah, they could they could do better. Yeah, the youth. Uh, the next one is youths are allowed to bring an adult to the standard closed doors discussions with ecclesiastical leaders. That meaning at any time, and this is what something that Sam Young was saying is that mm-hmm. he wanted to make it mandated. Now it's not mm-hmm. mandated yet, mm-hmm. but it's authorized. Yeah, which is that's a big step in the right direction. Um, any youth, uh, and I, I would encourage every youth that's uh, going into an uh, an interview with a bishop or a leader to take advantage of that. Bring a parent. Bring if you're not comfortable with your parent, bring an adult that you can trust. That's a great you idea. Know, grab somebody that you know. If you're close with your your young men's leader, go ahead. Or I don't even know if they have young men's leaders anymore, but you know, grab hold of somebody. Your 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 buddy's dad, or you know, something like that. Absolutely. I think it's yet another positive step forward. Yeah. And now uh, the next one, we're on number eight, is there's a more relational and relaxed approach to leaders' mandatory home visits with members. So they rebranded home teaching to ministering. Yeah. Is that a positive step, Al? Or? Um, seems like it. Yeah, they're not quite so uh, in, invasive or intrusive mm-hmm. about it. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's better. Cause I, I mean, they hammered on that for a long time with uh, the priesthood uh, members that you need to get your home teaching done and you know, we got to get to 100% of people. As yeah. yeah, and that was whether they really wanted to be home taught or not in some yeah. cases. Mm-hmm. So I think a more ministering, which is a little bit more of a mm-hmm. chill, relaxed, more relational, more friendly, yeah. less about the numbers, more about the people. Yeah, what, what can we do for you instead of uh, what's going on in your house? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that's another positive step. Yeah. Number nine is uh, President Nelson scraps the Hill Kimura pageant. Now, why did he do that now? <laughs> Well, uh, the quote here says that um, it was deemed by Reese a cultural relic that was cheesy and racially problematic, and maybe he heard her, because uh, I think that she's absolutely right. There was a lot of blackface uh, going on. Yep. There was a lot of, you know, the, the church has had problems with uh, pageants for a long time going, that, where they end up getting some strange ideas that get uh, thrown into the pageants that, 
don't necessarily jive with what the church's official stance is. And so I think this is a good thing to get rid of those pageants and just kind of keep everything more correlated. Um, yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. And finally, number 10 is the Sunday Regiment of Worship. Used to be uh, three hours, and now it's been trimmed down to two hours. Mm-hmm. Now, um, would you you think that's positive, or what, what, do, you, what do you think? I, I think you're going to have a lot more uh, happy members that are yeah. willing to attend church on Sunday if uh, it's only for two instead of three hours. And, the, and I think, you know, the church's research department that sends out mm-hmm. the emails to people for them to do surveys, mm-hmm. I think they definitely took that into consideration as something that this is something that the members have wanted for a long time. Yeah. So when I look at all of these 10, uh, when I look at these top 10 from uh, Latter-day Saints, incremental changes on doctrine add up to a solid religion story. All of these are taking place under President Nelson. And mm-hmm. I would say that unequivocally, nine out of the 10, I give a two big thumbs up on. And mm-hmm. the other one is I'm like 50-50 on, not necessarily yeah. a thumbs down, but mm-hmm. I'm like maybe uh, 50-50 on it. And so I, I think that what President Nelson has done as far as changing the trajectory of the church mm-hmm. um, has for the vast majority, uh, I think has been positive. Yeah, I completely agree. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, our next article there uh, is also we, we're covering a lot, actually, from the official church news sources this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so just in case anybody out there thinks that we uh, like to cherry pick these articles, we're getting you right from the Deseret News and the church news mm-hmm. on almost all of these articles this week. Yep. Um, because there's absolutely nothing wrong with the church news or Deseret News. They give us a lot of great information. There's mm-hmm. no reason that we shouldn't use them. Um, if they're, uh, there's no reason we shouldn't use them. So this next article is by Mary Richards on 23rd August, 2022. That says, Church donates hundreds of desks, Bibles, and Korans to a school in Kenya. Mm-hmm. So what's going on with that article, Al? Uh, so this school in Kenya called, um, uh, good luck, Al, to uh, pronounce it, Mivideni <laughs> Primary School, I'm mm-hmm. guessing, uh, is on the southeast coast of Kenya. They had a big problem with the... They've got crowded classrooms. I mean, it's kind of a similar problem to what we would have in the U.S. with a lot of kids and not enough resources. But um, what they've had is, you know, these kids sitting on floors trying to learn, trying to, you know, figure out a bunch of stuff. I mean, learning how to to write by basically drawing in the sand and, you know, cutting uh, letters that way. Um, and really poor conditions. Uh, only a couple of latrines to go around for all these kids and just, you know, uh, it's a, a good uh, place where a lot of good could be done. I'll, I'll say that. And Yeah, and the church delivered desks. Mm-hmm. Um, they remodeled five of their classrooms. Yeah. They built 20 new bathrooms, mm-hmm. new showers. Um, and what I find most interesting, the reason I really wanted to include this is that they also donated 100 Bibles and 100 copies of the Koran to the school. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of uh, kind of leaves me... Um, Am I making too much of this? Because I'm a little bit puzzled by the Koran donation. Mm-hmm. I, I'd i be, uh, on that same note, I'd be curious to see what translation of the Bible they were given. Hmm. Um, I'm curious to see if it was the King James that's uh, published by the church with all the footnotes, or if it was a standard King James version, or if it was... Uh, you know, an NIV version or, you know, what it, what it could have been. Yeah, and I wondered, I read through the article, and it does not say whether this particular humanitarian effort was done through one of the church's uh, humanitarian arms, which is LDS Charities. Was it done through uh, LDS Charities, or was it done through the church itself? Good question, because it, it certainly doesn't say. Yeah, it does not say. And obviously there is a difference between the two, because LDS Charities is generally, that is generally a pass-through from donations from usually well-to-do members who give to the church, and then the church 
repurposes and passes through those mm-hmm. to give donations? Or was it from the church itself, which is what we see in the humanitarian report? Mm-hmm. And of course, it'd be nice if we just had a little bit more transparency about these items. I do want to go yeah. back to what, what I said about the Qurans. You know, it, I, I kind of looked this up. I went back. There's a 1978 okay. First Presidency statement that specifically mentions that Muhammad is, quote, one of the great religious leaders of the world, end quote, who received a portion of God's light and affirms that moral truths were given to these individuals by God to enlighten whole nations and bring a higher level of understanding to individuals. And then there's another quote here by Hugh Nibley in March uh, 1972 Enzyme that says that the Quran hails Jesus as a true prophet and a great one. Yet Muslim theology rejects all his teachings about the Son of God as false. It teaches that Mary was, quote, the woman of truth, end quote, who conceived Jesus by the Holy Ghost and bore him when she was still a virgin. Yet it deplores the idea of God that God should have a son. So the church is giving to these children something that they acknowledge themselves by a first presidency statement only contains a portion of God's truth. And in another statement says is completely wrong on what a lot of people would argue to be one of the core principles of salvation, which is the divinity of uh, God's son, Jesus. And that's why I want to ask you, Al, I don't understand this. Why is the church giving Korans to people that don't lead to getting going to the temple or, or becoming tithe payers or, or, or joining the church. I don't get it. Um, if I'm going to offer my opinion, mm-hmm. um, I'm looking at the news over the last month, and I think the church is just looking for a really good uh, PR move uh, to help uh, scrub up its image um, on the world stage and you know say, hey, you know we uh, we're not you know downplaying other religions you know anymore so we're gonna you know meet them on their terms on their ground and uh, help them out where they need it um you know that's it's a really good thing i think that they're doing to you know meet um muslims where muslims are at by giving them uh donated qurans and uh meeting christians where christians are at um you know that that one like i said i'm curious to see if it was uh, the church's version of the king james bible well, that was given <laughs> interesting you know mm-hmm. as you were saying that al i thought about this some more and i couldn't figure it out but i think what you said is right it is more pr think about mm-hmm. where where is the church doing well as far as proselytization is concerned africa africa no yeah. no question about it mm-hmm. and there's several african nations that are either prim- primarily muslim or majority muslim Mm-hmm. And the church wants to be able to have access to these African countries. Mm-hmm. And so if they, if these other countries, you know, uh, governments see this article and they say, well, in Kenya, the church is remodeling schools. They're giving out Korans. Well, hey, the Church of Jesus Christ, they sound pretty good. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should invite them to come into our country. Maybe we should loosen mm-hmm. up restrictions. Maybe we should support them a little bit more. It's all about the PR of yeah. giving them a little something that they can feel good about so that then you can open the door later and give them the Book of Mormon. I think uh, the church will find the more that they do that, the more it will work. So uh, I, I, I believe so. I, I applaud them for, for their efforts. You bet. Mm-hmm. Now, our next article here is actually a tweet here that was put out by Ryan Burge. And he's a, he's a very famous researcher, I want to say, at the uh, University of Illinois. He's a statistician. But he ran some numbers here on how much – he asked a question in his tweet, and it says, how much does religion impact fertility? And uh, what was the answer to the question? He answers it himself, a lot. Mm-hmm. About 75% of 40-year-old Mormons have kids. 
Mm. And it's 40% of atheists or agnostics. So a lot, uh, there's a big difference there. Majority of atheists and agnostics never have children. But 75% of uh, LDS people do. Yeah, so if you're a Mormon versus an atheist, you are twice as likely to have children. Mm -hmm. So it is obviously a huge amount of correlation um, uh, in between those two. I find that to be very, very interesting. Yeah, it certainly is. It's uh, very noteworthy. Yeah, we're, we're going to go through Fast and Furious this podcast here. Yeah. Um, we're, going, we're going right to our next uh, our next article, which is uh, the Stone Cold Sober. You remember that? Yes, uh, Princeton Review. So this is the Princeton Review uh, puts out a list of um, you know top schools for whatever reason that mm-hmm. they they have rated all the schools, and BYU has proudly uh, claimed the the number one uh, t- Stone Cold Sober uh, title. For who knows, I think since 98 when they uh, started doing it. Go Cougars. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now they've, uh, they're have they just uh, doing a little bit of rebranding. Now what print, the Princeton Review has decided to do is uh, change it to called uh, Cancel the Keg. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're retiring the Stone Cold Sober designation. Yeah, they're just renaming it. Oh, to Cancel yeah. the Keg? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where is BYU on that list now? Number one. Okay. Oh, <laughs> As you would imagine. Yeah, number one. Completely opposite of, uh, I can't remember the name of the university in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. They they're the, the they love their beer in Madison. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. And Syracuse University is number one on lots of hard liquor. And University of Alabama is on top of lots of Greek life. Now, they also um, this article also brings up where BYU appeared on a number of different lists. And I think a lot of them are really interesting. So they're still number one on Cancel the Keg. Mm-hmm. They're number one on Pot's Not Hot. Yep. They're number one on Scotch and Soda, Hold the Scotch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're number two on Best Value for Schools. Yep. Number two on Best College Library, because that library is amazing. It is a really impressive library, yeah. yeah. I used to be a janitor in that library back when I was an undergraduate, by mm-hmm. the way, which was actually one of my favorite jobs at BYU. Oh, sure. yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Uh, and number two, uh, Top West Entrepreneurship Undergraduate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, whoa, oh, 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 number two on LGBTQ unfriendly. Yeah, it's, uh, not, it's not all positive. Uh, whoops. Well, <laughs> let's just let's just go right past that one. We don't yeah, want to dwell okay. on that. Okay, and number three is uh, most religious students. I'm surprised. Um, I'm curious who number one is on that one. Gee whiz, I don't <laughs> yeah. know, maybe Notre Dame. I was hard uh, to find. Uh, it seems like there's some uh, Christian college down in Liberty the South University. Somewhere. Liberty University. Yeah, that's the one. Could yeah. be. It's because BYU brings in all those uh, uh, atheistic athletes, probably. Yeah. And Liberty University doesn't. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just, I'm half joking here. I'm oh. only half joking. <laughs> uh, but and they're number five on best run colleges. But anyway, you can look at the article, and it shows where yeah. BYU and also the University of Utah appears on a number of these different lists. Mm-hmm. And for the vast majority, BYU is just a tremendous value. Yeah. Uh, and they just do a great job, and we highlighted the uh, one, one area in particular mm-hmm. that we thought that they could definitely improve upon. Yeah, there's. Uh... They, they do uh, best value, or one of the best values, because the church subsidizes a lot of their education. Yeah, you bet. Now, according to the Widow's Mind, it costs about $2.5 billion for the church to run all of the BYU schools that it has. And BYU brings in about a billion dollars of uh, federal money to help run those schools. So they need to make up the tuition difference of the $1.5 billion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe half of that is tuition. We could we'll probably just say, I'm spitballing here, but about half of that would be tuition. So the church, probably somewhere between half a million and a, uh, half a billion and a billion dollars of true subsidy for those BYU educations, and that's a tremendous subsidy. Sure is. Now, speaking of, we were just talking about in that last article about LGBTQ at uh, BYU, but apparent Mormons have now gone viral after being diverted from the path 
of Righteousness by a divine LGBTQ doormat? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> a divine doormat? I've never heard of that before. Um, this one we're heading over to thepoke.co.uk uh, from August 26, 2022. Unag Keating uh, reports that a TikToker named Jamie Faust 94 has mm-hmm. shared their e-doorbell's eye view of how a pair of Mormon missionaries... And you probably have seen this. If you haven't, it's all over the place. Um, they uh, get repel- They pull up to the doorstep, uh-huh. uh, take a look at the doormat and what it says, which uh, it's, <laughs> it says, the gayest place in town. All in rainbow. So the all doormat rainbow, says, yeah. gayest place in town, all in big letters and a nice big rainbow. Yep. The missionaries take a look at that, look up, and then walk off. <laughs> and that, so that, that's it? They don't ring the doorbell? Don't they don't the, do anything? They don't knock. They don't nothing. They're like, okay, we're defeated. They looked <laughs> at the doormat for how long did they look at this doormat oh, for? Just for a couple seconds. Just it's enough to read brief. it. Yeah, just enough to read it and realize, nope. <laughs> uh, so, nope right out of there. So much for the Book of Mormon musical. Hello, my name is Elder Price. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope, I guess not. No. My name is an Elder <laughs> Price. I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, and this... Uh, Jamie, the the owner of the house, uh, or, or the person on uh, TikTok, said, "For everyone asking, this is the doormat that I have on my porch. I got from Target during Pride Month. So it's they, you know, back in June, they just happened to be in Target and had big old, uh, you know, doormat. It says gayest place in town. So you think this is going to work on other missionaries? I don't know, but I think you'll probably start seeing a lot more of these. <laughs> this TikTok video is the best thing that could have possibly happened for this doormat. <laughs> yeah." You know, it really is. I because bet sales probably tripled after this. How many people have, have asked that question time and time again? How do I get the missionaries <laughs> to stop knocking on my dang door? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think we finally have the answer to that. Exactly. I live in Utah, and I've got, I know a couple of my good friends have been asking me, so what do I do to keep the missionaries uh, from well, knocking on my door? I'm going to give them that doormat. Well, okay, there's the doormat, <laughs> but I will also give you the other pro tip. But, you know, when I was a missionary, it always blew my mind that I would knock on a door on somebody's house. They would open it, and then immediately they would say, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not the right approach. The right approach is don't answer the door. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to talk to the missionaries, yeah. why in the world would you open the door to them? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Exactly. So if you want to be left alone by missionaries, never answer your door, and pretty soon they will not be coming around anymore. Exactly. I mean, it's just you don't need a doormat. It's just there's your pro tip for the week. Okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, my front door. I've got uh, you know the the half of my front door is uh, is window, so I can just pull back the curtain and stare uncomfortably at the at the people on the other side as long as I want until they leave. <laughs> <laughs> With ring cameras these days, you yep. can literally just look at them and do nothing. I mean, I don't understand uh-huh. how people... I, I don't understand. Okay, but exactly. this goes out... This goes directly into our Mormon News Roundup mm-hmm. poll of the week. Yeah. Okay, okay, so this is available on Anchor only, but if you come on over mm-hmm. to Anchor, you can interact with us on this poll. So um, let, me, let me ask you this question, Al. I want to get your response here. It says, okay. how should the viral LDS missionaries have reacted when they encountered a, quote, gayest place on earth, end quote, doormat? Oh, this is so, going to be a good one. Okay, so how, how, okay, so what they did is they came in, they looked at it, and they just hightailed mm-hmm. it out of there. But what should have been their reaction, okay? So uh, is it number one? Number one, simply follow Wendy Nelson's inspired counsel. Pray the gay away, then get the heck out of there. Hashtag close call. That was a close call, wasn't it? it sure I mean, was. what? I mean, what could have possibly happened if they knocked on that you door? Know, yeah, she, she might have a point. Maybe they should have just offered a prayer and then left. Yeah, get the heck out of there. Hashtag <laughs> close call. 
Yeah. You know, you, you, when you say pray the gay away, I, I thought that that meant that the gay person was supposed to go. But in this case, yeah. it was the opposite. Exactly. So it makes no sense. It makes no, <laughs> it makes no sense. The pray the gay away doesn't mean that I leave. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm confused. I need Wendy. I need Wendy Nelson. Mm-hmm. I need to pay more attention to Wendy Nelson's talks because I don't think I'm getting them right. Yeah. Or is it number two? Number two, they should chisel the proclamation to the family into their driveway in all caps, one inspired letter at a time. That'll show them how. Uh, yeah, it'll also get them arrested. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I like I like the visual. I like the visual yeah. of, uh, you know, they wake up the next day, they come back later that night, in the morning mm-hmm. they wake up, and there's the proclamation of the family chiseled into their driveway in stone. Yeah. I'm not sure that the mission president would condone that kind of action. That's a lot of time to chisel it letter by letter, all caps. Well, when yeah. something's important, now time is, is not. Is that's not. <laughs> we shouldn't be thinking about how long something takes. If what you're doing is right, True. you should do it right. Or is it number three? Three. Don't sweat it. Just come back later on. Splits with Charlie Bird. Hashtag Cosmo FTW. Yeah, FTW. What is that for the young kids out there? I have no idea. For the win. For the win. Okay. okay so okay. So. <laughs> Hashtag Cosmo for the win. Okay, so, yeah. the young kids with okay, that. Okay, well, I was, I was, I, I put you on the spot there. Um, so yeah, so don't sweat it. Uh, you, wait a minute, who is Charlie Bird, by the way? Um, ha- look at the hashtag there. Al. Well, I guess he's the uh, former Cosmo. Right. Uh, yeah. The he, he uh, was the uh, 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 mascot for yes. BYU. He was the guy in the Cosmo costume, and he came, he out, came out, as, out as gay. Right. He came yeah. out as gay. So that's why I'm saying these missionaries don't worry about it. Just come back on splits with yeah. Charlie Bird, and mm-hmm. he—I'm mean, sure—I'm sure they'll listen to him. Hashtag Cosmo for mm-hmm. the win. All right, I'm Make, with you now. Okay, man. <laughs> these jokes are—if you have to—if you have to spend thirty seconds explaining a joke, it's probably not a very good joke. But um, it we, wasn't a bad joke. Okay, okay, all right. So, <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Or is it number four? Number four. They did the right thing. Jesus said, "Go ye into all the world to every creature." Except the gays. Hashtag am I right? Hashtag am I right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's at the end at the end of Mark. Go ye into all the world, preach my gospel unto every creature, and lo, I will be with you to the end. Except the gays. Except the gays. I think um uh, that may be in the New World Translation. Yeah, I'm not it could sure. Be. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Or is it number five? Number five. Dust the feet and move out. Life is way too short to share God's only message of joy and peace with the LGBTQ community. Yeah, I mean life is short, Al. Um, yeah, I mean, so dust in the feet. That's one thing that we saw on, uh, under the banner of heaven. Right. Yeah. I mean, you dust the feet, you move out. And I mean, uh, yeah. God's only message is love, joy, and peace and, and eternal happiness. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, life's too short to mess around, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's what I think. Or is it number six? Charity never faileth unless it is sporting pressed white shirts, tight cropped haircuts, and shiny black name tags. Yeah. I guess charity does fail it then. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately mm-hmm. it did in this case. Or is it number seven? Simple answer. Love the sinner, hate the doormat. <laughs> now that reminds I like that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is the actual saying that goes? What that sounds that sounds yeah. familiar. Actual saying goes, uh, love the sinner, hate the sin. Oh, yeah. love the sinner, hate and, the sin. And what's so funny about this is okay, the the people who have this doormat at their house, uh-huh. it's a husband and wife. Um, they're heterosexual. 
They're, oh, they're just advocates for the LGBTQ community. Oh man, so I guess <laughs> that's it, what I find to be really funny. About so this. we, so the discernment was a bit lacking, is what yeah. you're trying to say. Uh-huh. Okay, so discernment was lacking. So, uh, or is it like I said, number seven? Simple. Love the sinner, hate the doormat. Okay, so yeah, you have your seven choices out there. I, I'm Which going. One? I'm going with number seven. Yes. I, I love that one. Love <laughs> the sinner, hate the doormat. <laughs> okay, uh, nice, nice. Love the sinner, hate the doormat. That does make a lot of sense. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, now, we're down to our last uh, couple of articles here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just at BYU just yesterday, Al. Like I said, I'm out here in Utah on a business mm-hmm. trip. and my I was Did you a, happen to attend a volleyball? I did. I did. I um, And this is our article here, which says that Brigham... Did you happen to yell racial slurs at this No, sir, I did not. Absolutely <laughs> okay, not. I'm now, glad it wasn't you. No, it was not me. So this is an article that's on CNN. This is making mm-hmm. the rounds. It's beat Brigham Young University apologizes yeah. and bans fan over racist slurs during a volleyball match. And this was on uh, August 27th. 2022. Yep. So what's going on in this article? Uh, Matt Foster brings this one to us. He's um, reported that there was, uh, let's see, the godmother of Duke volleyball player Rachel Richardson said in a tweet that Richardson, who is a, a black player, uh, was called racial slurs during the game at BYU Smithfield House in Provo. And you were in the Smithfield House right. at this time. Yes. That's uh, So this we're bringing you the news right from the source. In fact, I was there before this article dropped. Mm-hmm. So we will go to any length. I, I will fly across the country from right outside of Washington, D.C., all the way to Utah to bring you the most important yeah. Mormon News Roundup articles. So, yes, I was at the Smithfield House. Now, I, like I said, I'm out here in Utah visiting for a couple of days on a business trip, and I'm staying with my mom who lives right by um, uh, Cougar Stadium there in uh, Provo, Utah. And she asked me, Al, she said, hey, do you want to – this was uh, like on Friday, Saturday night. She said, hey, do you want to go work out with me, which is very surprising. She's uh, usually doesn't work out a lot, but if she's looking at me and saying, hey, do you want to work out, I'm maybe I need to get the message. Maybe I need to get into the gym. So, yes, we went over to the BYU. She's a retired uh, faculty member at BYU. And uh, we went over to the faculty gym, which is in the Smithfield house in a different portion of it than where the volleyball game was. So we're there. There is thousands of these fresh, mostly freshmen at mm-hmm. this volleyball game. It yeah. is packed to the gills. And then as soon as we left, literally a few minutes later, I got an alert on my phone message that said that this volleyball with the uh, with the, the N word and all that is coming yeah. out. Um, so what happened is this uh, fan who's not a, a student, um, it was just some guy uh, every time this uh, volleyball player went to serve, um, he would yell the the n word. Oh, that is tr- yeah. that is dreadful. And then when she'd go to sit down on the bench, he'd say, "You know, you better watch yourself going down to the bus." Ugh. Yeah, it was. Uh, so they called the police, had the police come down and sit uh, uh, on the bench next to her to keep her safe. Oh and, man, I mean, it's it's really unfortunate that in this day and age, this sort of thing happened had to happen but um as you probably noticed in in our neck of the woods over here dbase we do have a lot of trump supporters and unfortunately with uh the make a make america great again uh rallies a lot of that brought out the make america white again people and seems like this is one of those types of guys well it's really unfortunate byu did uh they took responsibility they apologized for it Mm -hmm. they said when a uh, when a student athlete or a fan comes to a byu sporting event they should be treating other people with love and respect we ban that person and we apologize to duke university now unfortunately this type of thing is all too common in college sports and professional sports for that matter Mm -hmm. but i think what's interesting is whenever it happens at byu it seems to get picked up really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you suppose that is? Am I am I just imagining this? 
I think uh, BYU puts itself there kind of in the in the spotlight. It makes a lot of, um, what, what would you call it? It, it makes a lot of, uh, it, it has a reputation. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so m- moments like this help uh, reinforce that reputation. <laughs> yeah, if you think back to BYU's uh, and, and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, somewhat troubling history with racism, especially the priesthood and temple ban that was ended in 1978. People still remember that, and it's kind of a lightning rod. So when they see these uh, negative racist things that happen at BYU sporting events, it really brings up those past memories. And because the church has never apologized in any meaningful way mm-hmm. for the uh, for its racist past, for and remember, Brigham Young himself made many really horrible Mm -hmm. racist statements. That's the name of the university itself. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like a very welcoming place for a student athlete who's black to come onto a university who's named after someone who made many racist comments. Mm -hmm. And so it really just, it just ignites the passions. People are really ready to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so I I don't blame them uh, because this is something where your namesake is, um, that kind of person. I mean, this is the sort of uh, person that Brigham Young was. Um, if he had been like, say, a Southern Confederate general, his uh, statue would have been torn down long ago. Yeah. In fact, the uh, black menaces, they ask people uh, different quotes and they say, did this quote, they, they come and interview students on campus and they say, did this quote come from Brigham Young or did it come from a Confederate uh, general? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people can't tell the difference in between the two. Yeah, exactly. So because the church has such a difficulty with moving on from these issues, it's still, it's still, it's a very hot stove. It's like a lightning rod mm-hmm. at any of these um any of these issues so yeah uh, i was there and i, I just want to let you know that i was not i, I didn't yell anything to anyone i'm sure. glad i'm glad it wasn't you dvays yeah <laughs> it wasn't but, me uh to, to whoever that guy is and anybody that condones that kind of behavior would you guys just grow up yeah i mean people are people regardless of the color of their skin we do have to live together in this world, okay? Yeah, what's interesting is my mom, who's a, a somewhat aging, and she saw the article that popped up in her newsfeed the next morning as well. And she said, hey, did you see what happened at the volleyball game that we were at? I mean, we didn't watch the volleyball game because we were there to work out inside of the gym. But she said, mm-hmm. did you see what happened? And I said, yes, I did. And I said, well, mom, what, what, why do you think that this happened? And she said, well, you know, it's the rhetoric in our public discourse has really been poisoned in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks in part to a lot of the boisterous uh, and really the over top, over the top personalities like mm-hmm. Donald Trump, like mm-hmm. uh, some of some of these other characters. Yeah, the and, Proud Boys. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Proud Boys, and 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 these students, they grew, they've grown up. They're only eighteen years old. They've yeah. grown up with this type of rhetoric and, and making it seem normalized. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's one last thing. Uh, you know, we were on campus and we pulled up to. You know, we were driving onto campus and there was hundreds and hundreds of cars. And I was like, Hey, mom. Church, uh, I'm sorry, church, school is not starting until Monday. How, mm-hmm. how can there be a sporting event before school starts? And yet, sure enough, there was a volleyball game. So you have, this is before school is starting. You have mm-hmm. a lot of the freshmen on campus mm-hmm. who are there ready to go, but they don't have homework. They don't have classes. It's before the semester begins. So yeah. there's nothing on campus to do except for go to this volleyball game. So it was mm-hmm. absolutely packed. Yeah, with mostly, something to do on yeah, Friday night, right? <laughs> with mostly freshmen. And most of these yeah. freshmen have grown up in the, uh, you know, in the Donald Trump era mm-hmm. of uh, very divisive uh, rhetoric. True. Uh, and that's what she blamed it on. Of course, she's mm-hmm. a big-time Democrat, so she's going to blame anything she can on Trump. But still, <laughs> um, I, I couldn't yeah. disagree with her. Okay, so we have uh, two last articles to get through. 
Yep. Uh, this next one, we're uh, heading south to Ephraim, Utah. Um, Gebhardt Bailey has uh, informed us <clears throat> that uh, August 27th, um, the LDS Church President Russell M. Nelson uh, has returned to the valley his family helped settle to celebrate the planned Ephraim, Utah Temple. Yeah, now this is on August 27, 2022, mm -hmm. from the Gephardt Daily staff. Now, uh, so he went, he presided on this, and it was somewhat of a surprise. Yeah. I didn't see this announced anywhere. No, this one, he just kind of flew under the radar, drove down to San Pete Valley, and uh, did his thing. Yeah, and uh, what... If you think about the San Pete Valley, by the way, I used to uh, teach. I was a part-time faculty member at Snow College for a couple of years, so I mm -hmm. used to uh, used to spend some time down there. I love San Pete County. I love Ephraim. I love Manti. Those places are just wonderful. It's just really beautiful down mm -hmm. there. Um, but if you think about it, how, this is a 39,000-square-foot temple that, according to the Widow's Might Report, costs about $40 million. Yeesh. Okay. It's a big one. How far away is Ephraim from uh, the nearest temple, which is in Manti? Um, I'll say this, um, in, uh, Northern Utah, <laughs> um, Brigham city is further away from, uh, Ogden than, uh, than, uh, Ephraim is from Moroni. Yep. Or from the Manti. Well, yeah, Moroni is a little farther same, away, same but thing. yeah, <laughs> it's not more than 10 minutes away. Can we put it that way? Exactly. Like what? Six miles. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not very far. It's, and so, yeah. It, it, and the, the word on the street is, is the Manti temple completely overtaxed and just totally full and they're running at 24 hours a day? That's not how, what I've heard. Well, how can it be? I mean, this is very rural Utah. This is, uh, these are communities that I, I think Manti has served the bulk of central Utah for, for decades, ever since it was built. Um, and, you know, we're talking about maybe 20 to 40,000 people ever. At most. At in most, fact, yeah. I think the Manti Temple was, uh, I want to say it was built or uh, dedicated in about 1880. Yeah, it was built before, yeah, it was uh, about the same time as the Logan Temple. Those two were uh, yes. built and uh, dedicated before the, while the Salt Lake Temple was under construction. Yes, so Saint, I know this for a fact. St. George is 1877, yeah. and the Salt Lake Temple was 18, I want to say 93, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I believe that's right. About 18, and so the uh, Logan and the uh, Manti Temples mm -hmm. are, are about... Um, in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's, it's a very, it's not a densely populated area, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the church are, has 282 temples in operation under construction or, or under renovation. And it just makes me wonder, why are we dropping $40 million on a temple that is literally right next to another temple? Mm -hmm. It just... In a community of uh, 3,500 people? Yeah, it's a yeah. very small town. Very small town. Yeah, and... If if we could just be let, if the church would just let us know the reason behind it, at no point in time mm -hmm. has anybody ever come out with a definitive reason of saying, okay, we used to do temples in the past that if a certain a number of Melchizedek priesthood holders or a certain yeah. amount of converts or if a new nation was open, it was too far away. Yeah, you're right. There used to be some sort of algorithm or formula that they would follow in order to place temples. Some kind of a basic rationale. Yeah. You know, but now there's just there's no rationale at all, and nobody will answer the question. Just what what gives? Just just tell us what the reason yeah. is. If the reason is well, we want to have a temple in every person's backyard. We don't care how much it costs. We want people in these temples as much as possible, and we want them to dot the world, and we want there to be fifty thousand temples mm -hmm. on earth. Okay, just tell us that. Yeah. Okay. Just let me know. Because I mean, all that we can do is speculate at this point. And my personal speculation, Vives, is I think the church really likes to be able to see one temple from another. 
I think they like to be able to go over to, uh, you know, say in uh, Cash Valley, they're building the Smithfield Temple. They want to go to the Smithfield Temple and be able to see the Logan Temple. They want to go to Ogden and see the Bountiful Temple. They want to go to, shoot, from the Salt Lake Temple. Well, the Salt Lake Temple is kind of surrounded by skyscrapers. But if you go up on the mountain, say Enzyme Peak, yeah. you can see, what, five temples now? Um, you can and see probably okay, even more. <laughs> if you're on the top of Enzyme Peak, you can definitely see the Salt Lake Temple. Yeah. You can see the new Taylorsville Temple, yeah. which is uh, under com um, completion. You can see the yeah. Draper Temple. The Draper Temple. You can see the two South Jordan Temples. Yeah. And you the can Elker see the, Mountain Temple. Yeah, that, that's oh, that's one of them. Yeah, that's, that's one right. of them. That's five. Yeah. You can see the Bountiful Temple, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you can see further north than that. No, but uh, that's that, that's a pretty good chunk of temples still. Yeah, that's from a, that's, one location. Yeah, and since so, as as we've said that the average temple is about thirty five million dollars, that's a lot of real estate. Yeah. So so that, that's my best speculation. I know that like I've, I've heard speculation online of uh, money laundering through temples. I don't know. I really buy into that, but um, I, I definitely uh, think that the church really likes. Ever since they built the uh, Timpanogos Temple, the Mount Timpanogos Temple, and we're able to see the Provo Temple from the Mount Timpanogos Temple, they're like, that would be really cool. We should do this with more places. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're building another, uh, or they're building another Orem Temple mm -hmm. um, that I drove past just uh, just a little while ago. Yeah. We covered on this uh, broadcast that it caught fire a couple of yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. And the, so we've got the the, or the Orem Temple there. The uh, Provo Temple and then Provo Central Center Street Temple. Yeah, they used to be the old uh, Provo Tabernacle. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, they just really like uh, flooding the earth with temples. Yeah, I just wish there was just a little bit more rationale. Um, just pull back the yeah. mirror or pull back the curtain just just an inch exactly. and let us know. Give us something. Yeah, give us something. Because <laughs> uh, otherwise, we're going to speculate. I guess so. <laughs> and you get what you pay for on this podcast. We'll yeah. just put it that way. Mm -hmm. Now, our last uh, article here is the inspired launch of the mormon movie reviews we've been hinting to that and mm -hmm. uh the mormon movie reviews uh how what is the mormon movie reviews it is official uh dvays has now uh come out with a youtube channel where he will review uh different episode or not different episodes well, different episodes of his show will be reviewing um old mormon movies from the vault Yes. Yeah. Now I've got the first one up there, and I've got several others that are in place. But mm -hmm. uh, basically, um, you, uh, Dvays and and Al, and also my my entire my entire crew, we're going to go way back through the archives of mm -hmm. uh, LDS of nostalgic Mormon videos to bring you some of the most entertaining and obscure videos that have been produced by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, BYU, and mm -hmm. unofficial LDS uh, centric filmmakers. The show is going to highlight the wonderful faith promoting cinematic gems right along with a few cringe worthy whoppers. And you aren't going to read these. Uh, uh, reviews on uh, uh, movie reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. So join us on this uh, Mormon cinematic adventure and watch to see what masterpieces or flops we'll uncover when we queue up the beta and VHS tapes. So just go, go on over to YouTube uh, and um, search for Mormon movie reviews. You can also drop a Drop us a, 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 an email. Drop me an email at mormonmoviereviews at gmail.com. Now, you helped with the pilot, uh, Al, right mm -hmm. on this? Yeah. So um, I, I, I collaborated with you a little bit uh, just to help put it together. Um, this, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, DVS has really done his research. And I think that anybody that uh, has grown up watching movies such as the Under the Banner, not Under the Banner of Heaven, not that one, uh, <laughs> the uh, Windows of Heaven. It's going to be hard yeah. to be, have grown up watching Under the Banner of Heaven. Yeah. Maybe, be... maybe for anybody listening to this in the archives, 20 years now. <laughs> okay, yeah, 20 years. That's a good point. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to those eventually. But um, for uh, anybody that grew up watching the old uh, church videos from the uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, um, the, uh, even the 80s, there's a lot of uh, really good ones out there. And uh, conveniently, the church has allowed the 
copyright to lapse on a lot of these, such as uh, uh, the windows of heaven. And so what Dives is doing is he's doing a, a very deep dive research into the history of these videos, um, into the facts behind them. Um, and he's, I, I've watched the pilot here. It's a really, really good episode. Um, he delves into what the actual history was, um, shows you kind of the differences between uh, what uh, what really happened versus what's portrayed as happening. Uh, for instance, they portray in this, uh, one of the little details here, they portray that uh, Lorenzo Snow was living in the Beehive house at the time. DeVace points out that uh, Lorenzo Snow didn't actually move in until the next year. So, you know, it's just one of those little things, uh, kind of fun tidbits of useless information that you'll be able to find out. And uh, and you'll learn a lot more than uh, by just watching it. Um, and he's got a lot more coming down the pike. Uh, they've got the, let's see, uh, the next one you're doing is the Three Witnesses. Three yeah. Witnesses yeah. is uh, on tap. And then after that, we're doing the First Vision, which is the 1976 version. And then yeah. uh, we're going to do the Lost Manuscript. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we're going to do for time or eternity. So I've got the first five lined up. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're interested in that, please let us know. And speaking of this podcast, by the way, uh, you can drop us a voicemail. If you go to our show notes, you can drop us a voicemail. We're also on Twitter at, at News Mormon. You can, um, if you like what we're doing, um, you can send us a, a donation on Patreon. Um, we have a couple of tier levels there, $5 a month, $10 a month. You just let us know what you can do. And we're also on Facebook and YouTube. Yes, we are. So uh, as we're parting with you, we want to give our final shout out to Weird Alma for letting us use this episode's music. As with every episode, uh, thanks so much for you ruminating with us on the great and spacious beehive. And remember, remember, no one hallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My number one goal is to hurt the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs>